Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. Started a brand new series last Sunday called Excuse Me. Tap your neighbor, say, Excuse Me. Yeah, yeah, tap your other neighbor you pick second and say, Excuse Me. We're going to read God's Word together because last week we started reading in the Older Testament and the Newer Testament. Today, we're going to spend a little time in the Older Testament and talking about this guy named Isaiah. Somebody say Isaiah. That's where we're going to be at, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to read eight uh, verses together. If you're ready for God's Word, say, I'm ready. That's what the Bible says. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. It says, it was in the year that King Uzziah died. Now watch what it says. I saw the Lord. And my prayer for our church in 2023, through 21 days of prayer and fasting, for you as an individual, for you as a family, is that that would be the cry of our heart, that we would see the Lord, that we would see Him clearly, that we'd see Him abundantly, that there would be no distractions in the way, no excuses in the way of us seeing the Lord. So I love that Isaiah starts there. It was in the year of King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And attending him were mighty seraphim, which are angels, right? Uh, each had, this is about to get crazy right now, what he's seeing, okay? Each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. Why in the world do we have a loud church? It's because we're not going to let some angels out worship us. Because we serve the God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he is the God that is holy, holy, holy. Is there anybody? One more time. Can we take five seconds? Don't let some angels out worship us. Come on. Give the one that's holy, that's righteous, that's magnificent, that needs the honor, that is deserving of honor. Come on, five more seconds of some praise all over this house. Man, he's worthy. He's seated on the throne. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Watch what it says. The voice, their voices shook the temple to its foundation and its entire building was filled with smoke. Y'all thought it was just haze in the room. No, come on, it's smoke and it's, it's from the Holy Spirit. Come on. What I say is where the Nord is, the Lord is. That's the kind of keyboard. Where the haze is, the praise is. Come on, somebody, all right? But watch what it says. The entire building was filled with smoke. And then watch what Isaiah says. I'm seeing God. Then watch what he sees about himself. Then uh, it's all over, he says. I'm doomed, for I am a sinful man. I got filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's army. Then it says one of the angels flew to him with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now watch what it says. Now your guilt is removed, and now your sins are forgiven. Is there anybody whose guilt has been removed, anybody's sins that have been forgiven, not by a coal from an angel, 
but that's a picture of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Is there anybody that's been forgiven? Is there anybody that's been redeemed? Is there anybody that's been set free? I told y'all I'm ready to have some church in 2023. So we better be a place that's ready for God's spirit to do what only he can do. I'm thankful that we have, man, that we can come to God and we can say, you know what? Thank you for saving us. I remember what my guilt and my shame looked like. I remember who I was before Jesus, and I'm just thankful that we get to worship him and that he saved us. Come on, somebody, right? Here's what it keeps on going on saying. It says, then I heard the Lord asking. Okay, I see the Lord. Man, he, I, I see myself. There's something wrong. Okay, God forgives me. Then watch what happens. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? That's what the Lord is asking. And watch what he says. This is Isaiah here I am, just like what we sung a second ago. Here I am. Watch what he says. What else does he say? Come on, say it like you mean it. Here I am. Come on, say it like you mean it. Here I am. And that's my prayer for our church in 2023. Lord, here we are. Send us. Here we are. We're available. Whatever you want to do, you can do. Wherever you ask us to go, we will go because we are available. And that's my prayer for today. Would you stretch your hands towards heaven? Come on, let's pray. We're just reading the word. I love the Bible. I love what the Bible has to say. And we're going to dissect it together. Jesus, we honor you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Lord, we love you in this place. We're so thankful that we get to come into a place and we get to worship you and lift up your name that is the name above every name. That your name belongs on the throne of our life because it's worthy to sit there. That you are worthy to tell us where and what to do, when to go, how to go. And God, we're going to say today, here we are, send us. Here we are, send Purpose Church. Here we are, send my family. Here we are, send us individually. And we're going to give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory for it. In Jesus' mighty, awesome, powerful name that we pray. And everybody said a good Amen, amen, amen. Come on, one more time. Can we give Jesus a big shout of praise all over this house? High five your neighbors. Say, you better get ready for some church today. Better get ready for some church today. Then go ahead and have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat, man. Thank you for standing in honor of God's word and as we worship together. And I'm going to encourage you to take some notes today. We're in week two of this series called Excuse Me. And just believe the Lord is going to, to use you. That's kind of the whole uh, idea of this series is that we want to take all the excuses that we have when it comes to faith. And we want to throw them out the door. And we, just say, we want to say, God, use me. Somebody say, use me. Yeah, I believe that that's going to be the cry of our heart over the next couple of weeks as we talk about this. But I want to ask real quick uh, out there, is there anybody in here that's any ball? Is there any ballers in the room? Come on. Come on. Any ballers in the room? Anybody think they're a baller? I wish I was a baller. I wish I was taller. I wish I knew a girl that was cute. And I, okay, that's about all the unsaved people that knew that song right there, all right? All right, so like, like I don't know about y'all. I, I, I like to say I played college basketball. It may have only been for Paducah Community College, but I still tell everybody I played college ball. Don't matter, right? So I, I grew up playing basketball. Basketball. Shout out to my Wildcats. I know all of them are tuning in. Oscar, love you. Uh, you know, like they're not really watching, but if you are, Joff, you're watching too. Love you too, man. Come visit. Okay, so like. I love I love basketball, right? I love uh, just playing basketball, watching basketball, and uh, just grew up playing basketball. And and literally any open gym we could find, y'all know any ballers know in the room what I'm talking about. Like you be in that gym, you know what I'm talking about? Like you get your boys, you get to you, you know your girls, y'all would go in there and you would be playing basketball. And I remember uh, when I was growing up, I was about a teenager when uh, a guy that lived right behind us, his name is Ricky Willis, and literally built a full court basketball goal. Uh, 
literally breakaway rims, glass backboards, like painted lines right behind my house. And I was like, thank the Lord that he paid for that and we didn't have to. Come on, somebody, right? Lights, boy, I mean, you could play at night. It was awesome. It was an incredible time. We just loved it so much. And, like, listen, I used to go out there. We played all the time. We would literally play till midnight or after all the time. There was another guy, lived a couple miles down the road. His name was Johnny, and we used to go to Johnny's court all the time, and we would play some games. I don't know about y'all, but, like, we played some games that were hardcore. Like, like I'm talking, um, uh, like, in the rain, it didn't matter. In the sleet, in the snow, it didn't matter. We were playing ball. Any any ballers like that in the room, come on, wave at me. Some of y'all, I see you. I got your hands. All right, good. So, like, that's kind of what I grew up in. And I, I remember as a teenager, we would show up, and sometimes there would be these older guys that played back in the day, and uh, they would always bring a squad out. And, and man, there'd be 25, 30 people out there playing ball on these courts. And it was awesome. And you'd always show up. And I remember showing up all the time as a kid. And, and listen, when I, when I felt confident when we were going up into this, uh, whatever, like the, the ball field or ball, uh, ball court that we were going to, when I felt confident, you know what happened? Like we walk up to the court and we got our five. We were ready to go. And we would kind of walk up to the court. And you know what we'd say when they're playing out there? We, you know what we say? We say this, I got next. Anybody else say that? We got next. Like we got next. We ready. And you know what that was saying to a bunch of people? Everybody's out there playing right now. We ain't scared. Come on, somebody, right? Like, we got next. Like, I'm willing to go. Like, we're willing to fight. We're willing to play. Like, we're going to do whatever we can, and we got next. That's kind of what that was communicating whenever we were talking about that and playing basketball. And we were saying, you know what? I'm not scared. We're not backing down. I got my squad. We're here, and we're ready to play. Come on, somebody, right? That's kind of what we were saying. And I just got this feeling on the inside of me today for you and our church in this season of our life, in this season of our year. Now, I feel like we need to be a church that says, you know what? we got next that we got we we got next like we got whatever whatever's coming next for us like this is the deal like we got next so that's the title of today's message is we got next somebody say we got next somebody say it with a little ump say we got next yeah we got next and again if not us then who Right? And if not now, then when? And I just believe that God is looking for people to get the hope and message of Jesus Christ out to a lost, broken, dying world. And there are only two responses. One of those responses can be, okay, hey, someone else can handle it. Someone else can do it. Someone else can go and figure that out. And we can make excuses all day. Or we can be on the other side of it and say, you know what? No, no, no. Somebody needs to do something about that. And we got next. Whatever you call us to do, Lord, we got next. Wherever you call us to go, Lord, we got next. Whatever you ask us to do, Lord, we've got next. Is there anybody that says, you know what, today, 2023, January 15th, I'm signing up and saying, I got next. I'm willing to get in the game. I'm willing to play. Come on, give them a big shout of praise all over this house. Like, I'm just telling you, like, we got next. And I, I don't know if you've ever avoided trying to be next, right? Maybe, where, where are my roller coaster fans out there? Come on, where you want? We're going to pray for all of y'all, right? I don't understand. Where y'all like, no, you ain't catching me on no roller coaster. Come on, is that you in the room? Where are y'all people that go, like, you love the county fairs? Come on, somebody. Anybody like that? Anybody love riding the Ferris wheel at the county fair, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like no, you ain't catching me on that. Heights and me don't go good together. But I remember growing up, going to Opryland, right? Like when it wasn't like a, a, a mall, right? I remember it being a theme park, right? Going down there, riding that big, you know, little thing comes down the log ride. That was it, right? And I remember, ooh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get up there. I'm trying to get ready. 
I'm about to go next. I'm in line. I make it to the, up to the front. And okay, you got to be 48 inches tall to ride this ride. Okay, cool. I'm 48 inches tall. And I remember getting up there being scared to death and be like, no, y'all go ahead. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, 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 no. Y'all go ahead. No, you, I, 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 no, no, no. I don't want to go next. I, I want to kind of skirt around it a little bit because I'm scared. And I think sometimes we can be the exact same way when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. That God is calling us to do something, and yet, we, you know what we're willing to do? We're willing to move out of the way, not take the responsibility and say, hey, no, 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 somebody else can go next. Somebody else can handle that. But I'm here to challenge that thinking today. I'm here to challenge that spirit today because I believe God has something more in store of for you if you will say yes to what he's calling you to. If you will say yes to whatever he has in front of you, if you will say yes to it, I believe there is a blessing on the other side of that yes if you're willing to be available to God. Amen or oh me, church. Amen. I believe that. So we start this series last week about excuse me and about these excuses that Jesus is talking about in the Bible. If you go and you read actually Luke chapter 14, Jesus is telling a story about a big party that's going on that he is throwing and it's in his honor. He's hosting it. It's going to be low at heaven. He's kind of describing heaven. Everybody's invited. You can come. You can be a part of it. And what happens is excuse after excuse begins rolling in. Excuse after excuse begins happening, and what we see is that people are making excuses of why they can't come or why they can't listen to what the master tells them to do. And again, I just don't want to be in that scenario. I don't want you to be in that scenario. I don't want you to feel like, you know what, I'm going to say no to what God is asking me to do. Because I think if you say no and make excuses, you're ultimately going to miss out on some of God's biggest blessings on the other side. And I'm just trying to get you as a church, I'm trying to get us as a church to say yes to what God is calling us to do. So this series, kind of the tagline, I want you to write this down. And I want every day that you wake up to ask yourself this question. Does God have your yes without any, I kind of reworded it after last week, without any ifs, ands, or buts? Right? Does God, like, I want you to wake up every day this week and say, God, do you have, I'm giving you my yes without any ifs, ands, or buts. I want you to ask that of yourself every single day. And I want us to begin to say, okay, we can be confident saying yes in what God has called us to. Without any ifs, without any ands, without any buts, without any excuses, we're going to say yes to what God has called us to. All throughout the Bible, there are people that literally had excuse after excuse for why they couldn't do what God was calling them to do. And I know no different than what we read just a second ago in this person called Isaiah. Somebody shout Isaiah. Yeah, Isaiah, what we just read a few minutes ago, had many excuses about why he couldn't be used by God. And yet God, even in the middle of the excuse, showed forgiveness, showed grace, and showed his love even in the middle of that. So I want to challenge us with what we're going to read today and kind of just walk through together. Can we just break it down verse by verse again with everybody? Is that okay? So it means yes in Kentucky. If you don't say nothing out loud, all right, yes, yes, yeah, all right. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to start in verse 1. But before we get there, I kind of want to kind of give a little bit of context to what we're reading. And especially when it says it was in the year that King Uzziah died. Who in the world is King Uzziah? What does he have to do with Isaiah? What does it have to do with any of this story? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about it real quick, right? King Uzziah was a great king for a long time, reigned for 52 years 
in that time. And what began to happen, though, is a lot of thing, a lot of things in like the economy, a lot of things that were going around. Like it was all prosperous. It was all good. Like the water supply was up. Like man, we got clean drinking water. This is awesome. We got th- threats that, that originally had started, but now that King Uzziah's here, man, threats that no longer even bother us. Like there's no threat to any of that anymore because he's built a strong army. There's people around. But what begins to happen, though, is they begin to take their eyes off of God, and they begin to put it on an earthly throne. They begin to put it on somebody else and something else other than God. And what they begin to do is they begin to worship idols. And they have this lack of urgency when it comes to saying yes to things of God. And again, I never want us to be in that place. I never want us to be in a place just like they were, that we have people that believe in God, confess Him with their lips, and in their lives and their actions say something else. And I want to challenge that in our church. I want to challenge that in you. I want to help pastor you through that. Like, let's walk through that because I believe God is looking for people that not only worship God with their mouth, but worship God with their life. And I believe that to be so true. And so we see right here in Isaiah chapter 6 that Isaiah is about to have an encounter with God. And when he has an encounter with God, it begins to change the way he sees God himself and his calling for the future. All right, so I want you to write a couple things down in just a second. We're going to walk through this verse by verse. One more time. Everybody good with that? All right, good. So we're going to do that. Verse 1, it says, it was the year King Uzziah died. We just talked about King Uzziah. Talked about how big of a deal this was. This rocked the country. He died. He okay. Like man, this dude was everything that we kind of, kind of put our hope in. He'd been around for a long time. Like we've been looking to him to lead our country and do this kind of stuff. And again, fear and uncertainty had started to settle in a little bit. And watch what it says. It was in the year that this guy passed away, in the year that King Uzziah died, that I saw the Lord. Somebody say, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord, and he was sitting on a lofty throne. The Bible says. And the train of his robe filled the temple. See, what I love about Isaiah is that Isaiah's gaze, what he was looking at, was transferred from an empty throne on earth to an occupied throne in heaven. Right? I love that so much that everyone was looking to an earthly king to solve all the problems, but we see Isaiah was looking to a heavenly king that has nothing that is, beneath, that is above him, that he is over everything and all things. That's what Isaiah was looking at. And aren't you glad that our hope doesn't reside in Washington, D.C.? Aren't you glad that our hope doesn't reside in a state capital, but that we serve the God of the Bible who is seated on the throne, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first first and the last. He never slumbers nor sleeps. He's the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God, and we got to get our eyes on him. Is there anybody grateful that the earthly throne may be empty but for, from time to time, but we serve the God that can never get booted off of his throne? Come on. Is there anybody thankful for that God? Let's give him a big shout of praise in this place. <clears throat> I mean, I'm thankful. I'm so grateful for that. And so the year King Uzziah died, everything shook up. Economy shook up, life is shook up, sound pretty familiar, right? Sound like where we're in maybe right now? Guess what happened? I saw the Lord, Isaiah says. My question for you is, can you see the Lord? And my my kind of follow-up question to that is, can I see him? And this is the question, what is blocking your vision of God? That's the next question I would ask. If you can't see him, if you're not experiencing him, What is blocking your vision of God? Maybe it's that you're in the middle of an easy time right now, and you're like, yo, I'm good. I'm walking through. I don't have any issues. I don't have anything going on. My finances are good. Everything's good. Family's good. Feels good. Like, 
I'm good. Maybe that's what's got you blinded to seeing God. Maybe you're walking through a trial right now, and you're in the middle of hell on earth is what it feels like for you. And you've got your vision, you've got your mind, you've got your eyes on the circumstance rather than the person that's over all circumstances. Maybe that's where that anxiety is coming from. Maybe that's where that uneasiness is coming from. Maybe that's what's going on on the inside right now. And I just want to challenge some of that today. Again, I think you're here, and I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad that you're here. But my question is, look at me. Are you really seeing him? Are you really seeing him? Because that's my heart for you as your pastors, that you would really see God. That you would really get a glimpse of God, a fresh sight of a God that is enthroned. And that's exactly what Isaiah did. First thing I want you to write down is Isaiah got some sight. And the fact is, he saw the Lord. He got some sight. Somebody say sight. Yeah, he saw the Lord. I want you to know that that's a big deal that you and I, it says that I saw the Lord and he was sitting on a lofty throne. Another version says that he was highly, high and exalted is what another version of the Bible says. He's high and exalted. And this word Lord, somebody say Lord. Lord, I want you to know what that word actually means. That word actually means master. He's the master of my life. That's what Isaiah is saying. You know what? He's the master. He's reigning supreme. This word literally can be translated as first in my life. He has the right to tell me what to do and what not to do. And this is what I know about life. This is what I know about all of us is that he, we love that God can be our Savior. But how many of you know it's really hard to make him Lord? I mean, you know it's really hard to make him number one overall. And so my question is this. Again, we're asking ourselves, do, do we see God? Do we see him? Can I see him? What's blocking my vision of God? Isaiah got some sight, and he saw the Lord. My question is for you, how do you see him? Like, how do you see him? Do you just see God as like a cosmic vending machine? Come on, somebody, right? You put the quarter in, you push a button, something comes out, right? Kind of the same thing for God. Like, I could just kind of, okay, I'm going to put the recipe in. I'm going to put the right ingredients in. Next thing I know, I'm just going to spit out something for me to be able to take or something I'm going to be able to have. Like, is that how you see God? Do you see God as a good luck charm? Okay, I'm going to come to church on Sunday. That means my week's going to be perfect. It's going to be good. It's going to be hunky-dory. Like everybody's going to be fine. Nothing's going to happen. Maybe that's how you see God. Maybe, maybe you see God that you think he's a mad God. Maybe you see him as an upset God. But I would just want to change some of that in your thinking and know that you serve a God that is gracious, that is loving, that would do anything for a relationship with you, including send his one and only son for you and I. And so here's the deal. Maybe you see him as Lord and Savior. I would just challenge you that, again, how you see God determines how you approach God. Because if you see him as a mad God, how many times do you, how, how many of us know, that you know, I'm not going to approach somebody that's really mad. I'm not going to come to them in confidence. No, no, no. You need to see him as a loving and gracious God that has a good plan. But that plan is perfect. The, his plan is perfect. I think a lot of times we come to him and say, God, this is our plan. How you like it? You good? Instead, that's why we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's because prayer and fasting, guess what that's doing? That's ridding the world. Like fasting is me saying no to stuff that I want to do, no to things that I want. And prayer is saying, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to elevate your wants, your will above my own. And so I want to challenge some of us in the room. Hey, how do you see God? And again, we love the fact that Jesus saved us from our sins, saved us from the eternal separation from God. But my question is, is he Lord of your life? 
Is he Lord of your life? Because when Jesus becomes the Lord, you got to understand that he gets complete control over your relationships, over your money, over your possessions, over your career, over your kids, over your time, over your mouth, over your mind, over your body, over everything. And Hudson Taylor says it like this. Listen, Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. So I want to challenge us. Look inside of you today. Is Christ Lord of my life? Is he number one? Is he on the throne that he rightfully deserves? And so again, how do we make him Lord of our life? How do we go from kind of just dabbling in it or partly committed, partly devoted to all in, fully devoted? You know how we got to do that? We got to get our eyes on Jesus. We got to get a glimpse of who Jesus is. Look at what the author of Hebrews says. By keeping our eyes on who? Come on, say his name like it's a good name. Keeping his eyes on, uh, keeping our eyes on what? Yeah, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's what? Throne, right? Listen to me. One glimpse of Jesus has the ability to change everything. And listen, there is something that is on the throne of your life. There is something that is Lord of your life. And I'm just imploring you today, make Jesus Lord of your life. You got to get some sight, and you got to you got to understand like Isaiah did. He saw the Lord. Then watch what happens. Isaiah six three. It says, "Okay, not only am I seeing the Lord, I'm seeing what's going on around the Lord, and what's happening is that there's these angels that are there, and they're crying out to each other, calling out to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. The whole earth is filled with His glory." Little side note, really quick. You got to know whenever in the Bible something is repeated three times, it's going to help you if you ever see it repeated three times. What that means is that means that it's the fullness, that's the completeness, that's the perfection of what was just said. Okay, so what I want you to understand, when they're talking to God, when they're looking at God and they're shouting this to him, guess what they're saying? They're saying God is the picture, he is complete holiness, he is fully holy, he is the perfection of all that is holy. And just imagine, you've got to read the Bible with a little ADHD in mind, because that's kind of how I read it, because your boy is ADHD, we're my ADHD people in the room, alright, good, with you, okay? So like, like, I read it like this, so as I'm reading it, I can just imagine for a second, like these angels, they're screaming, they just can't help it, there is so much much excitement, that God is so holy, God is so pure, God is so perfect. I can just imagine one, one angel is screaming to the other, hey, he's holy, right? I can just imagine it. And I can just imagine him going to the other side. The other angel's like, I know, holy, right? And I can imagine the third one being like, yo, I can't believe it. He's holy, right? Like I can just imagine that taking place, that they have a glimpse of what God is. And when you see God, it changes you. So what I want you to understand, that Isaiah sees the Lord, he gets some sight of who God is, then next time I need you to know something, he gets some insight of who he is. He sees himself. So when he sees God, he then next sees himself, and he starts to understand, oh my goodness, like, okay, we're going to have to look inward here. Because I think a lot of times we're really good at, at, okay, we're comparing our life, our walk, everything about us to other people around us. I'm not nearly as bad as them. I, I, didn't, I didn't do what they did. Did you see what they were doing? Like, oh, man, that wasn't me. That was, that was them, right? And what I want us to begin to not just uh, compare ourselves to other people, we have to compare ourselves to the one that's holy, perfect, and righteous. And when we do that, we find out that we've missed it, right? That we've all missed the mark. That we've all missed this thing called perfection. That we could never live up to the standard that God set. And yet we've missed it. And Isaiah, if you go back and read the first five chapters of Isaiah, you'll find out that guess what he was doing? Before all this, he's saying, woe to y'all. Meaning like this, tap your neighbor and say, whoa. 
That means, you know what, judgment, okay? Not like, like, whoa, horsey, whoa. I'm talking about like judgment, okay? Like judgment. Woe to y'all. Judgment to all of y'all out there. Judgment to this area. Judgment to you people. Judgment to all of that. Then he sees the Lord and watch what happens. He, gets, he begins to say, woe is me. If you go to another, cha- another translation of the Bible, he says, woe is me. He said, man, I'm wrecked. It's all over. I'm doomed. I'm a sinful man. I've got filthy lips, and I live amongst other people that have been cussing all the time too, right? Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's army. And so standing in the Lord's presence, Isaiah is made painfully aware of his sin. And listen to me. When he's aware of that in comparison to God, he is broken. He is broken. And God was preparing Isaiah, though, in this moment for his cleansing and then his commissioning. I believe that God was going to cleanse him as he just does in a second, and he's going to call him to do something for him. Watch what happens. Then one of the seraphim, verse 6, flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, touched my lips with it, and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. So after Isaiah, he acknowledges his sin. He experiences God's love and grace. And he understands in that moment, watch what happens. Your sin, I've paid for it. Your guilt from the past, it's gone. And guess what, y'all? It was immediate. God didn't make him sit in it for a little bit. No, he saw the Lord. I compare my life to what he was asking me to do. Man, there's no way I could do that. The excuses start flowing from his mouth. And immediately, somebody say immediately immediately, not because of anything Isaiah did, but because of what took place on the altar of sacrifice, God removed every sin that was keeping him far away from him. Was removed every sin to Isaiah, any barrier that was between him and God, because of what Jesus has done, ultimately is who that's pointing to, that we can approach God with grace, that we can approach God with confidence, knowing that our sins have been forgiven because of what took place on the altar that is the cross. Now, I want us to understand maybe you felt this way sometime in your life. I saw God, I see God, I believe in God, I feel drawn to God, but then also I've got all this guilt, I've got all this pain, I've got all this pain that I've caused, I've got my past, and the excuses start flowing of why you can't be used by God. And you begin to say, hey God, here's my excuse note, let me write this excuse note for you, you can't use me because of my past, you can't use me because of my guilt, you can't use me because of my shame, but if you go to Romans chapter 8, you will understand that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And that Jesus is saying, hey, you know those excuse notes? I'm going to rip those up because I'm telling you, if you come to me and confess your sins to me, the Bible says that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody say all. That's everything. Is there anybody in the room that's thankful that Jesus came, died, gave his life, and that you and I can walk in that freedom? Come on, give him a big shout of praise if you're thankful. And I want us to understand that the moment where he saw the Lord, the moment where he saw him, he saw himself as unworthy, he was forgiven, he was cleansed, he was made right, and then immediately, guess what happened? As soon as he was converted, as soon as this conversion happened, immediately he desired to serve the Lord in whatever way possible. Watch what happens right here, Isaiah 6 verse 8. 
Then I heard the Lord asking. This is immediately. This is right after it, right? This is immediately. Okay, I, I've been forgiven. I've been called. Okay, now, now i got a calling on my life. Watch this. Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us, I said. And watch what he says. Watch what Isaiah says. He says, here I am, send me. Somebody say, here I am, send me. Come on, say it one more time. Here I am, send me. That's what Isaiah said. So I want everybody that is a follower of Jesus to look at me right now. You don't have to be called to a platform or a pastor or a preacher to be a person that is saying to God, here I am, send me. That you and I are messengers of the gospel because we are followers of Jesus. And so my heart for you is that don't, don't ever put me up on a pedestal because I'm just like you. And the fact is that let's go out there and make a difference for Jesus in whatever, whatever area or arena that he has called you to be in, just like maybe this is mine for a little bit, wherever he's called you to go, let's go make a difference for Jesus. Because if you're saved, there should be a calling that is attached to that salvation. And that calling is to go out and literally make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them in the ways that I'm going to command you. And guess what? I'm going to be with you until the end of the age. Is the promise that we have. And guess what? Isaiah, he got some sight of who God was, he got some insight of who he was, and then he got some vision, and he saw a calling that was on his life, and he said, God, you can send me. Here I am, send me. Somebody say, here I am, send me. Come on, and I just believe that the Lord right now is asking the same question today. Who should I send? Who should go on my behalf? Whom should I send to speak? Who is going to say yes to me? Who is going to say yes to where I'm asking them to go? Who is going to say yes to making a difference in this generation? And I just believe, and I got it fired up all on the inside of me today. Listen, I just believe that God is looking for a church, a person, a family who's going to say yes to serving their school, a person, a church, a family who's going to say yes to serving their workplace, serving their home in Jesus' name, and praying that God will redeem. And I believe God is just looking for a church that says, you know what, we got next. We're willing to step in. We're willing to play. We're confident with the people around us. We're confident to what you've called us in, and God, we've got next wherever it is you've called us to go. Come on, if you believe that, give him one more big shout of praise in this place. Listen, and I want to just share with you a video today of somebody on our team that I believe that what she has done, and it's going to be, it's really her vulnerability of her sharing her story where she was willing to say, hey, God, I'm going to give you my yes. I'm going to give you my yes in the middle of excuses that I could use, in the middle of excuses in my life that I've used in the past. I'm going to give God my yes, and I'm going to get out of the way and watch him do something incredible. So in just a second, check this video out. Her name is Jessie. She's on our team, uh, serves on our serve team here at this church. She's actually at the Connect Corner today, and I'd love for you to hear her story. As she says yes to God and yes to his plans and watches that, that begins to unfold in her life. So come on, let's watch this together. Hi, my name is Jessica, and better known as Jessie. Um, I have been a part of Purpose now for roughly about six months, maybe a little bit more. First five years of my life were kind of turbulent, you know, to say the least. Um, I was actually kind of conceived at a party. I just sort of kind of bounced around from family to family. Um, there was some things that I experienced with 
um, you know, a foster family as far as being sexually abused, um, that definitely left, you know, some residual effects. So whenever I was placed with my permanent foster family, I was very, very blessed to be immediately immersed in the church. And that's actually where, that's where I was saved, and that's where I met Jesus. 16, 17, 18 years, whenever I feel like I started questioning things and I started definitely more turning towards, okay, I know that you guys want me to follow these rules, but I don't necessarily want to do that. In my mind, I wanted freedom. I wanted what I thought was freedom, what the world defines as freedom. At this point, I was like 20, 21, and so instead of going back to God, I went to the world. You know, I tried drinking, I tried drugs, I tried pills, I tried, you know, multiple relationships. Like, there were so many things that, you know, I was doing in my flesh to try to recoup the love that God was actually giving me freely. Honestly, I think that's, that's where my story really, really picks up. That's where God really, really showed out. He's always shown up, but I think that's where God showed out for me. Um, honestly, it was whenever I had my voice. I was so just enamored at being able to be a mom because in my eyes, I had never really had a mom figure or a mom relationship. I didn't have that, so I wanted to give that. Since I didn't have it, I wanted to give it. Whenever I lost my kids again in 2017, that one hit me. That one hit me really hard because I wasn't using and I wasn't using drugs. And I felt at that point that I was on the right path. I thought that I was doing what God had told me to do. So I didn't understand why they were taken the way that they were. And it was really, really rough. Until one day, just crying on my bed and just praying to God, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. And in that moment of you know, me honestly telling God, you know, just take me, take me home. At this point, God, you, you can't use me. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that I can say that's going to make any of this better. I've lost the two most precious things that you gave me. How, how can I do anything else? The Holy Spirit very much came to me and he said, Jesse, you have done all that you can do. You've talked to every lawyer. You have done everything that you can do in your own power. And right now, I need you to understand that they're already in my hands. They're already in my hands because they're out of yours. And I need you to release them. My pain, I think, has always been my biggest excuse for not serving. And my pain has always kind of made me fall up within myself and think, you know, I can't be used because I hurt too bad. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want anybody to see the pain that I'm going through. At some point, I almost felt like I'm, I'm too far gone. You know, I've, I have made every bad decision in the book. There is no way that I'm ever going to be able, you know, to recoup. But that's where God comes in because God is the redeemer. God is the one who says, let me worry about it. Let me be the one to, to decide who needs to know where you came from, because I'm going to use that even if you don't feel like you're qualified. And honestly, I can't even truly tell you where exactly I remember even Purpose Church coming coming up. I, I think that I saw it probably on Facebook, to be honest. Um, and I was very, very much just kind of touched by 
the sense of family and the sense of acceptance that was really really put out there. So whenever I made the decision to go ahead and come to church, here I was just absolutely enamored. I mean, I walked into the auditorium and just the spirit was just very, very much alive and it felt like coming home. I mean, ever since I had joined the church and gotten involved, I have had so many people that you know have just come and just loved on me and just really, really kind of encouraged me and cultivated that, that desire to want to, to you know go out and tell more people about about the church and about what God is doing and what God wants to do, not just for me, but for you. Because I promise you, if He's done it for me, He can and He will do it for you. My prayer for everybody that I come into contact with, and especially for my kids, is that my faith is able to impact my my families through generations, and that I am able, you know, to show somebody that even though even if they knew me from five years ago. Let, allow me to reintroduce myself with, with God at the helm, with Jesus, you know, really, really inside and outpouring because it's not about me, it's always about, it's about God. Give Jesus a big shout of praise right now for that story. Aren't we thankful for people like Jesse? I don't know about you, but I, I know there's people that walk in this place that feel the exact same way that Jesse felt. But the exact same way of how you feel like, okay, there's excuse after excuse. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know how long I've been there. And I just want to just tell you right now that, that, again, there is a God that loves you, that he cares about you. And when you get a glimpse of God... What begins to happen is it'll begin to make you look at yourself and say, you know what, I have fallen short. I do have those shortcomings that are on the inside of my life. But yet what happens is, is because of His grace and forgiveness and because of what He did on the cross, that you and I can have real life, that you and I can be redeemed, that you and I can be followers of Him. And then immediately when that happens, guess what? You're enlisted. Immediately when that happens, you're enlisted in the army. Immediately when that happens, you are on the team and you have a calling for your life. But maybe for some of you, you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus. Well, today's that day. So all over this room, come on, stand to our feet as quietly as possible. But I want you to bow your heads as you do that. Maybe you're in this room and you say, you know what, I've never professed Jesus. I've never asked Jesus to come in my life. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're listening on the podcast and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus. Well, today is the day of salvation. I believe that in Jesus' name. That salvation is in the room, that Jesus is in this room, and that you have never said yes to Jesus. Guess what? He's been pursuing you, coming after you. That's why you're here. You may have felt like there's this void in your life. There's this hole that's there, but there's only the hole inside of you that only Jesus can fill. It's that, it's that void on the inside of you that only Jesus himself in a relationship with him can fill. So maybe you're in here and you say, I, I don't have that, but I need that. And I just want to extend just this invitation to you. There is an invitation given to you and I by Jesus that, yes, our sin has separated us from God. Yes, that sin, there has to be a payment that's made for that. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That something has to die in order for a payment to be made for our sin. And Jesus died on the cross. The Bible tells us even while we were still sinning, Jesus died on the cross for us. 
And maybe you're in this place and you've never accepted that. You've never said yes to a relationship with Christ. But today, He's been pursuing you. He's been coming after you. He's been inviting you. And you're here. And today and right now is the moment where you need to say yes to Him. So my question is, how are you going to respond right now? So the Bible says that if you and I will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and will believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead, that we will be saved. So maybe you're in here and you need to accept Jesus today. If that's you, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you do something like this? You don't have to say it word for word, but you just need to mean it in your heart. Would you say something like this? Dear Jesus, would you come in my life? Would you save me? Would you forgive me? I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you gave your life for me, and I put my full trust and faith in you today. Jesus, I trust you with my life. I I make you Lord of my life. Save me. Forgive me. Redeem me. Let me live for you from this day forward. On purpose, with the purpose, for a purpose. Maybe that's you, and you're in this room, and you prayed that, or prayed something like it, but you meant it in your heart, and you said yes to a relationship with Jesus. I just want you to know that there is a party going on in heaven. There's a party going on when one person comes to faith in Jesus, that all of heaven shouts, all of heaven celebrates, and we're going to be a church that celebrations our response, that we're going to pray a little bit of heaven down to earth, that we would be a place that celebrates people taking next steps. And if that's you in this room and you just pray to receive Jesus, I'm going to ask just really quickly, if you would just let me know by just saying, hey, I just, I just pray to receive Jesus. Just raise your hand. You can drop it right back down. You just raise it right up. You can drop it right back down. I see you. Anybody else? Say, hey, that was me. I just gave my life to Jesus. Anybody else? Say, hey, that's me. Awesome. 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 I want you to know you're not ever too far gone for the forgiveness of God. Anybody else? Say, hey, that's me. I just gave my life to Jesus. Just ask Him to save me. Awesome. Well, here in just a second, we're going to celebrate that as a church in a second. But I just want to give you some instruction. Maybe you're watching online and you just gave your heart to Jesus. Here's I want to let you know, you need to let somebody know that other than just raising your hand. I want to let you know in just a second, we're going to worship and we're going to just sing the song available one more time. And, and, and we're going to have team, people on either side of the platform here that just, if you just pray to receive Jesus, we would love to know that. Like, let us know. We'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to high five you. We'd love to tell you, man, we're cheering you on. That we would love to give you a next, uh, like a, a, a new believer's guide, because that's kind of some next steps for you. And we just want to tell you, we're with you. We love you. We're excited for you. And so maybe that was you today. Would you let us know that? If you're watching online, another way you can let us know is just text the word PURPOSE to 270-229-6488. We'd love to follow up with you this week and uh, to celebrate with you. Get those things, those resources in your hands. And just let you know that we love you. So Purpose Church, why don't we do this? Can we celebrate people meeting Jesus in this place today? Come on, let's give Jesus a big shout of praise all over this place. Thank you so much again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps out so much. For more content and information, head over to ourpurpose.church. We love you guys and hope you have a great week on Purpose.